Jiminy Crickets. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow. Always getting in wrong for singing my song. A merry old soul am I. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'll be hanging around this evening. I'll be tipping my hat and telling you that. Jiminy Cricket is the name. Hello, Cricketeers, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dateline Jiminy Crickets for July 20th, 2019. We have a lot of news to cover, some sad news, unfortunately, as well. Uh, but before that, I have to introduce the hostess with the mostest, Ruthie Brown. How are you doing, Ruthie? I'm doing great as usual, Chris. How are you? I'm doing bibbity bobbity bubblicious. <laughs> Is that a new flavor of gum? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's magical flavored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to our stories, we have a very special announcement. Dateline Jiminy Crickets proudly endorses Concierge Vacation Planners, a Disney-authorized specialty vacation planning service. Concierge doesn't just book your trip. They walk you through the entire process, helping you plan out every detail, one-on-one, -on -one, to make the very most out of your vacation while saving you both time and money. And the best part is, they charge nothing for their services. You will get the exact same pricing as if you booked your vacation directly through Disney. But in using Concierge expertise, you've got the added bonus of having your very own personal Disney Guru Planner by your side. Both Ruthie and I are also satisfied customers, and we just can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at www.concierge.com. That's www.concierge.com, as in mouse ears. So when you book your next Disney vacation, be it Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Line, or many of the other Disney destinations available worldwide, Contact Concierge Vacation Planners, and be sure to tell them Disney Chris sent you. Well, like we said, we do have some sad news, and uh, we have to say goodbye to two uh, people affiliated with the Disney company. One of them died very old, uh, 105. And the other one died very, very young, and we'll talk way about too way too young, like mm -hmm. shockingly young and unexpected. Yeah. Uh, so the first uh, person we're going to talk about is actually a Chinese-American who was one of the very first Asian-Americans to work for Walt Disney, and he started working for Disney in the late 30s. And he went on to have a uh, wonderful career after his short stint with Disney as a uh, artist. And uh, he had some other interesting things that happened in his, his uh, career that we'll talk about. And that person is Milton Kwan, born in 1913. And he died just a couple weeks ago. Um... He was uh, born on uh, 
August 22nd, 1913, and uh, he was one of eight children, and uh, the only son, so all of the other siblings were sisters, and he um, uh, was interested in art very early in his life, and um, he was encouraged by his uncle to pursue a career even though his mother had some reservations. Um, but his early work, uh, in, before he worked for Disney, is he did a lot of freelance work. Uh, and one of the um, things he did was he designed menus for Chinese restaurants in Chinatown in Los Angeles. And um, he actually designed a sign that is still there and he designed this I think he was in his 20s so like in the 30s this the sign was created and um, it's a Chinese styled sign in front of a Chinese restaurant and it's called the Grand View Gardens and this has since become a historic landmark this is a picture of him posing in front of his imposing posing in front of his sign which is uh, at first when I first saw this picture when I hadn't read about him I was like what's this strange picture of him and then I realized <laughs> that's a sign that he designed and it's now a historic landmark so he started working for Disney in the um, late 30s and the first project he was assigned to was Fantasia and he worked on two different segments from Fantasia the first one was the Arabian dance in the Nutcracker sequence which pictured here which is the scene with the fish that looked like Cleo from Pinocchio's siblings they look exactly like Cleo from Pinocchio, just a different color and with much longer tail fins. Um, but he helped, and I couldn't find any information on exactly what he animated or exactly what he did. Because he, he was a still life painter in his later years, so it says he did the animation, but at first I would have thought he had something to do with the background paintings, but... Apparently, no, he did work on the animation for this. And then the other sequence he worked on was the Waltz of the Flowers, also in Fantasia, and also from the Nutcracker sequence. So, if that weren't enough, he also worked on Dumbo as the lead assistant animator. Um, so, he must have been a very good animator to... Uh, have such a high position when he was very new to the studio. Right. Um, and when World War II hit, he left Disney for a couple years because he was drafted. So he is a veteran. Um, and he worked um, as an artist during the war. And he designed repair manuals for bombers and transports through Douglas Aircraft. So he didn't get deported. You know, he is that the right word? He didn't get stationed overseas, but he did 
he stayed in local, but he was doing work for the military during the war. So he was not working at Disney. But after he was um, the war ended, he returned to Disney for about a year in the in around 1946. And he worked on publicity materials for two Disney classics. The first one being Make Mine the Music. This is an uh, example of his work. So he did, he sort of had the, the promotional campaign for this movie, as well as designing a lot of the um, artwork used to promote the film. And he also worked on Song of the South. And this is actually a painting that he did for the poster for Song of the South. It shows a plantation scene. Looks a lot like Gone with the Wind type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so then after that, he left Disney and never to return. But I'm sure he left on very good terms. He just had bigger and better things to do. And he actually um, was the first Chinese-American art director for a national advertising agency known as BBD and O. And he worked there from uh, up until 1964 when he moved to a company called Searlight. And he was the senior design artist and he worked there from 1964 until 1980. And he retired which is hard to think about, that he actually retired in 1980, which was how many years ago? Almost right. 40 years ago he retired, but he lived another 40 years after he retired. That's nice yeah. to have all those years of relaxation. And mm -hmm. But, I mean, he was old in 1980. He was mm -hmm. already, you know, quite old at that point. Anyway, uh, he was 65, I guess, or 64 in 1980. So, he... um continued on until almost the day he died drawing and painting he he sort of became a watercolor painter and he did a lot of really beautiful watercolor paintings in his later life and he also was sort of known for having a sketchbook that he went around with with more than a hundred sketches he, he had like hundreds of sketchbooks yeah. that he filled up with beautiful art and um he also freelanced at some uh at a technical college in los angeles and he taught drawing and painting and advertising courses at the college as sort of a extracurricular activity but what's really interesting ruthie what is like one of the most memorable action films from the 1990s. <laughs> I can think of basically two off the top of my head, both with the same actor, Keanu Reeves. Yes. One of them is The Matrix, and the other one is this one, Speed. So, interestingly, Quan had some fun in his later life as an extra yeah. <laughs> in a lot of big Hollywood films, including Speed. He was one of the passengers on the bus. And I, you can see him kind of sitting towards the back of the bus in his picture. But that's Quan. That's the guy. That's the artist who worked on Dumbo and Fantasia <laughs> sitting in the bus of Speed. He was in a lot of other things, too. 
He was at what? What else was he in? Um, a film called Chill Factor from 1989, yeah. and another film, Sweet Jane, 1998, The Cat Killers from 2000, and then he was on ABC's um, television show NYPD Blue. Yeah, I think probably just a member of the jury or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he just had that look to him. You know, he just looked like a typical, you know, older Asian American type person, and that was sort of something that. There was a calling for in yeah. extra work, so he just sort of did that for fun. Um, so in 2005, he was honored with a art showing at the um, Chinese American Museum in Los Angeles, and it, he was one of five artists featured in an exhibit called "Round the Clock Chinese American Artists Working in Los Angeles." So it was a it was about working artists that were Chinese American from Los Angeles. So obviously, he he checked all the boxes in that criteria. <laughs> <laughs> so this was at the Vincent Price Art Museum. Oh no, at the Vincent Price Art Museum. Let me say that again. At the Vincent Pri- Price Art Museum in Monterey Park, uh, he received a Golden Spike Award. Uh, from the Chinese Historical Society of Southern California. Here he is receiving said award. Um, also in 2013, he appeared at a special gala event honoring 90 years of animation where he actually met Bob Iger and they had a few words. Posi- that sounds like a bad thing. No, they <laughs> <laughs> no, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Milton Kwan, uh, I don't believe he's a Disney legend, but I think he should be. Yeah. So, for the 2021 roster, they need to add him. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is also said to be one of the last living, well, he was one of the last living artists from the golden age of Disney animation. So, with his passing, it's really the end of an era. Yeah. So, fairly well, Milton Kwan. Oh, and he said he said something funny. Um, he was asked about the secret of his longevity, and he said, "A good wife and Chinese food." <laughs> I don't think the Chinese food. Maybe the good wife helped, but unless he was just eating rice and vegetables i don't think the chinese food <laughs> would contribute to your longevity at least not the food i eat from chinese restaurants not the americanized chinese food maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the next you know it's always sad when someone passes but when they're 105 it's you know it's expected it's bittersweet but we had to say goodbye to someone that we did not expect who died way too young.
So, came as a shock to pretty much everybody, and social media was sort of exploded. Yeah. When we found out that Cameron Boyce, who was only 20 years old, had just turned 20, mm -hmm. passed away completely unexpectedly because of a condition that he had been dealing with um, were he had um, what was it Ruthie? I, it's epilepsy. Epilepsy. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to remember what it's called where you have mm -hmm. Caesar. seizures. Mm -hmm. That's the other word I couldn't think of. <laughs> so he died in a sleep completely unexpected. He was in very good health other than that. He was being treated for it and everything seemed to be okay. But you never know when your time is, you know, you got to live life to the fullest because you never know when your time is going to come. And uh, so his family, of course, I'm surprised they even, when something like that happens, someone so young, you wouldn't even expect them to have enough you know, enough in their hearts to even say anything, but they did put out a statement. Um, you want to read that statement, Ruthie? Sure. It is with a profoundly heavy heart that we report that this morning we lost Cameron. He passed away in his sleep due to a seizure that was a result of an ongoing medical condition for which he was being treated. The world is now undoubtedly without one of its brightest lights, but his spirit will live on through the kindness and compassion of all who knew and loved him. We are utterly heartbroken and ask for privacy during this immensely difficult time as we grieve the loss of our precious son and brother. Hmm. That's hard to listen to. So yeah, it's really sad. So Cameron began acting at the young age of nine and he was in a horror movie with Kiefer Suther Sutherland called mirrors i don't i have you seen it i've never seen it i have it. not no but i've seen everything else basically on the list that he has been in right so after that he sort of went to television and became sort of a disney channel regular mm -hmm. and sort of his breakout thing was he played uh luke ross on the sitcom disney channel sitcom jesse Jesse was played by Debbie Ryan. Mm -hmm. And it was actually on Disney Channel for four seasons. And I know you told me your daughter was a fan of that show. Yeah. I mean, ever since when that show came out, my daughter was watching it. And they still run reruns and stuff like later at night sometimes of that show. And she loves it. I mean, she basically, you know, she's not too much younger than he is yeah. or was. And, and, uh, so she basically grew up watching him right. on TV and in in some of his films as well, and and you know, it's it's just really sad because you know this is somebody that is in the same generation as my daughter, and that's that's really hits home. Yeah. So he appeared in other Disney Channel productions, some Disney Channel original films, Good Luck Charlie, Shake It Up. And Gamer's Guide to Pretty Much Everything. And then, probably his most famous role, yeah. is he played the son of Cuella DeVille, Carlos DeVille, in the trilogy, well, soon-to-be trilogy, 
of the Descendants TV movie series. Big successful, like mm -hmm. big hits, like yeah, lots of merchandising, lots of albums, like you know, sort of not quite as big as High School Musical, but not far from it. Right. And um, he also was in some big screen productions. Um, probably the the most known one is uh, Grown Ups with uh, Adam Sandler where he was in part one and part two and he played Adam Sandler's son in the films. Um, also, he was in the movies Eagle Eye and uh, Game On and Judy Moody and The Not Bummer Summer. And he was also going to be in a future production with uh, Catherine Hahn for HBO a series called Mrs. Fletcher, which I guess they're going to have to recast that now. So, here are some pictures of his descendants' work. He was sort of, they dyed his hair white with uh, brown roots to sort of look like Cuella de Vil. Yeah, and, and, he, and his outfit has like similar color scheme and stuff like similar that. Similar color scheme and then he had like a fur collar on yeah. his vest. Um, here's another close-up of him. And then the he finished filming The Descendants Part 3 mm -hmm. and the um, film has not yet been released. And they um, were going to have a big, lavish premiere for the new film. And they ended up deciding to cancel that because it would be disrespectful. So close on the heels. Because literally, it's like in two days that they would have had this. Right. So it was scheduled for July 22nd. So right. yeah, like this coming weekend. Yeah. So they're they're all the money that would have gone towards that event, Disney is instead going to donate to an organization that he was involved with um that uh was and uh, it was a organization about places that didn't have enough water the global water crisis. It was called the Thirst Project. So all of that money is going to that. And also, um, they're going to dedicate the um, film, Descendants 3, in his memory. And they asked the boy's family if that was acceptable with them. And they agreed that it was okay. So at the beginning, or I don't know, maybe at the end of the movie, it'll say, In Remembrance of Cameron Boyce. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one thing that um, he was very involved in philanthropy. I actually was, you know, looking on YouTube to try and find a, like a memorial video for the show, and I found a video of him accepting an award. So he really did raise a lot of money for the Thirst Project, and they gave him an award for it. Yeah. So this was something that he was really passionate about. Yeah, he he raised over thirty thousand dollars for that organization. Mm -hmm. 
And it's really unusual to see somebody in such a young age being so active. It's one thing to donate money, but he was active, you know, yeah. and and in raising money for them and, and really pushing the um, idea of bringing clean water to places that don't have that. Right. Well, a few of the people who had uh, relationships with him in Hollywood put out statements, and two of them are probably the most profound, so we thought we would share those with you. One of them was from Adam Sandler, his co-star in two films, and what was his quote, Ruthie? He said, too young, too sweet, too funny, just the nicest, most talented, and most decent kid around. Loved that kid, cared so much about his family cared so much about the world. Thank you, Cameron, for all you gave to us. So much more was on the way. All our hearts are broken, thinking of your amazing family and sending our deepest condolences. And also, Bob Iger put out a statement. What did he say, Ruthie? He said, the Walt Disney Company mourns the loss of Cameron Boyce, who was a friend to so many of us and filled with so much talent, heart, and life, and far too young to die. Our prayers go out to his family and friends. Yeah, it's really sad. It is. So, uh, just use this as a, a reminder in life that life is short. You have no guarantees in life. So live every day as if it's your last day. Mm -hmm. um, and never take advantage of the gift that life is. Yeah, and um, tell your friends and family how much you love them. Yeah. Oh, never, never, never leave a conversation with someone you love on a negative. Because yeah. you never know if that's going to be the last time you ever speak to them. Right. So, goodbye, Cameron. Goodbye, Milton. And uh, peace be with you and God bless your families. Yes. From the far corners of the earth, from across the seven seas, the news of the day for the leaders of tomorrow. The Mickey Mouse Newsreel, dedicated to you, the leaders of the 21st century. Well, it's almost time again for D23 Expo in Anaheim. And this year, the hostess, the mostess, will be there. Yes. And she will be handing out buttons. Here's the button. We've already got the buttons in. We've already ordered them. We have a couple hundred of them to hand out. Ruthie will be carrying a heavy bag <laughs> full of buttons. And she will be sporting a Jiminy Cricket's t-shirt a black t-shirt we just actually At least the first day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so uh look for ruthie and tell her disney chris sent you and she'll give <laughs> you a button <laughs> at the event so 
we wanted to talk about some of the things that are going to happen at D23. This is sort of a preview of D23. And the first story that we sort of bumped into in our worldwide web travels is that the Disney Music Emporium is returning. Now what this is, it's a pop-up store inside the convention that they sell all sorts of Disney music and related merchandise. But traditionally they have always had some exclusive merchandise as well. And this year is no exception. What, what, what are some of the limited edition things they're going to have this year, Ruthie, at the event? New releases from Marvel and Lucasfilm. So this, we're talking about like soundtracks to the, you know, Avengers Endgame film and also, you know, music from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So, and they're going to have like these exclusive items that they're selling just at this pop-up store for the expo. Right. And when we say exclusive, of course, this stuff you can get elsewhere but what's exclusive about it is it's on collectible vinyl picture discs mm-hmm. i remember when <laughs> the first picture disc i ever saw was when i was a little boy and my sister had a picture disc of the rocky horror picture show and it had frankenfurter on the on the on the disc it freaked oh, that's me out awesome. <laughs> it freaked me out i was like who is this crazy man Yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, you'll be able to find these, and they'll have other picture discs available too, like from different attractions, and mm-hmm. um, they're gonna have um, like uh, posters and cassettes. Believe it or not, they're yeah, actually right. gonna be selling turntables and cassette players and all sorts of fun music-related things. But in addition to that. They're going to have some very special guests that'll be meeting and greeting. And who are these uh, illustrious people, Ruthie? So we have Oscar and Grammy-winning composer and Disney legend Randy Newman. So you guys should be familiar with him. He did Mm -hmm. the music for Toy Story films, for Cars, and also The Princess and the Frog. Mm -hmm. Also composer Tyler Bates, who did the music for... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Volume One, and Volume Two. Um, the actor Anthony Gonzalez, who was the voice of Miguel for Coco. The singer, songwriter, actor, and dancer Matthew Morrison. You probably know him best from Glee, but he's been in some other things as well. And also, um, Hollywood records artist J.D. McCrary, who is the voice of young Simba in the upcoming live-action version of The Lion King. Yeah, and then they're going to have on the archive stage on Friday evening a special event with Randy Newman. No, Um, it's Randy Thornton. Thornton, I'm sorry. Randy Thornton. He's actually, I'm a big fan of him, which is like even more awful that I said his name wrong. But (laughs) (laughs) he's the, the man behind a lot of the recent, well, he's actually you can go back 20 years with this restoring the vintage disney soundtracks and he's responsible for example the first release of the original soundtrack version of the alice in wonderland soundtrack in the Mm. 90s and he did 101 dalmatians and lady and the tramp like he restored all of these classic soundtracks and his cds are everywhere now 
And also, he did the um, 2005 50th Anniversary Disneyland Collection, the six-disc oh, okay. collection. Mm -hmm. So he's really heavily involved in music restoration with Disney. And he also, he works for Entrada Records now, and he's restoring a lot of other Disney soundtracks and non-Disney soundtracks through Entrada. And one of his more recent Disney uh, ventures was they just did uh, the uh, soundtrack for Johnny Tremaine, the 1957 Disney live-action film. So anyways, this is going to be called Great Moments with Walt Disney. Ruthie wants to go to this event. Yes. And you're going to hear audio recordings of Walt Disney and talking about sort of the history of music and Disney, Walt Disney, and some of the musical moments in his career. So that'll be uh, 1030 to 1130 a.m. on Friday, the, t the opening day of the convention, August 23rd. So that's something to look forward to. I am. So another thing to look forward to is that the Simpsons are coming to Disney. First time at D23, of course, you all know Disney now owns The Simpsons because they purchased Fox Media Corporation. Well, most of it. And uh, that uh, acquisition included the rights to The Simpsons, past, present, and future. So they're going to have a special um, uh, panel where you'll be able to uh, meet some of the creators... Um, and including Matt Groening, you know, the OG creator of The Simpsons. And he's even going to have a meet and greet. And you have to be quick on your feet because it's going to be an hour long, which is not enough time for... Because I'm sure he's going to be swamped with right. people. Because he doesn't normally do that sort of a thing, you know. Mm -hmm. That's a rare opportunity. So also... Um, you're gonna, they're gonna have an exclusive Simpsons collectible item available for everybody who attends the, um, panel. So that's gonna be a popular one. Oh yeah, it is. And I believe they're gonna have the Simpsons characters walking around at some point. Probably they'll come out during the panel, you know, the walk around mm -hmm. characters. Uh-huh. I'm wondering what the fate is of the Simpsons land and Universal. I'm still wondering that. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is Disney gonna say, you can have your Simpsons land as long as we can put Marvel attractions in our park in Florida? Are they gonna use that as a negotiating chip? I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping that they would, which is kind of weird that they're kind of doubling down on the Simpsons here and bringing them to the expo and everything like that and really kind of trying to incorporate them into the Disney family and you know it, it makes me question that if they're doing this well maybe the answer was no maybe it's yeah. already happened and maybe they said they, no. yeah they already did that mm -hmm. so maybe Disney when the contract runs out will may force them to close down their Simpsons land right who knows so uh, the next uh, thing that was announced is a special concert called Disney on Broadway. So it's actually the 25th anniversary of Disney on Broadway. 
which began in 1994 with the Beauty and the Beast musical. And so this uh, is going to feature several uh, performers involved in Disney on Broadway. And they're going to perform live with a six-piece orchestra. That sounds like a, kind of a small orchestra. Would you even call six pieces an orchestra? Yeah, I don't know. It's more like an ensemble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would call it. Anyway, it's all going to be live music from all the different uh, films or, that have been adapted into Broadway musicals. So it's going to have music from Beauty and the Beast, the Lion King, Ruthie and I's new favorite, Aida, which we fell in love with when we did an episode with Jerry Skids, and Tarzan, the Broadway Mary Poppins, The Little Mermaid, Newsies, Aladdin, the recent musical of Freaky Friday, and Frozen, which is a future Broadway musical, now in, now in pre-production. Um... So, this event is going to be held at 3.30 on August, the Saturday, August 24th. And, uh, is this something you're interested in, Ruthie, or are you going to take a pass on this one? Um, I'm not sure. Like, this is definitely a possibility, because the other thing is, it's like, being able to see these people perform these songs, like, Mary Poppins isn't on Broadway anymore. Beauty and the Beast isn't on Broadway anymore, you know. Right. So you have an opportunity to see these people, you know, kind of um, re, you know, bring back their bring um, back, original. Yeah, it would be like that they it would played. be like seeing uh, if, if it was back in the 60s, let's say, seeing Julie Andrews perform songs from My Fair Lady yeah you know that's you know and that's a that big deal i would be up front <laughs> yeah <laughs> well but, if that I mean, were the so... case that i would be there too right i would find a way to get a ticket <laughs> but <laughs> yeah so i mean this it's it sounds interesting to me and it's a possibility you know depending on i don't i don't really know what is also available at the time so it really just kind of depends on that but i also the la i went to a previous expo it was t 2011 and I actually got to see Dick Van Dyke perform. So yeah, that is like the highlight, the highlight of my life. So <laughs> Yeah, with his little troop of, it was like yep, a little The Fantastics. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so another change has been announced in the program. And we talked about all the nominees for um, the Disney Legends in a previous Dateline. But Disney has since announced one more late entry, and that's Christina Aguilera. No, this is not Gwen Stefani. I that know, is right? <laughs> it looks almost <laughs> like it's like they're twins, um, especially when they're she's made up in her Marilyn Monroe look here. Mm -hmm. um, but now she is going to be honored with a Disney Legend Award as well, and of course she's more than qualified because she got her start. On the new Mickey Mouse Club in the late 80s. She's one of the that like really illustrious group that went on to bigger and better things. Like almost almost everybody from that show has become very famous. I oh, mean, yeah, I can name like five of them off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Some of them grew up real nice, too. <laughs> <laughs> Including her. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, she was also at the 50th anniversary ceremony at Disneyland with Julie Andrews. You've seen that before, Ruthie? I was there. You were there Actually, for that? I was there on May 5th. I uh, didn't know that. Yes, you never I was told there. me that. I didn't see them because I was so oh. far away that I couldn't see, but oh, I was oh. there. You were present and you could hear, but you couldn't see. Yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she's also, uh, of course, she sang the song Reflection, which became a number one pop hit, yeah. which originated from the movie Milan and was in the film credits, the end credits. And then um, she's been involved with a lot of ABC things, which Disney is owns ABC. Um, she's been on a lot of the um, rockin' New Year's Eve shows. She was also on Dancing with the Stars as one of the dancers. And um, she's also uh, been on a series called Nashville, which was also an ABC series. Um, and she's earned multiple grant. I don't have to tell everybody knows this, but she's yeah. won multiple Grammy awards. She's had five number one singles, including I think Reflection is probably one of those. And um, so she's uh, a big deal, and yeah. uh, she's a big Disney person. In fact, she goes to Disney sometimes. There's they've sometimes caught her with her children touring mm -hmm. the park and they take pictures the paparazzi snaps a photo here and there yeah. uh so yeah good choice in fact she's a better choice than some of the other ones that aren't really that <laughs> affiliated with disney yeah because she's been affiliated basically she's, since the beginning of her yeah, career yeah she's a disney person for sure yeah yeah so another thing that was uh announced for d23 is they're going to have a special uh, exhibit based on Lucasfilm. And this is the first time ever. Right. For this. Yeah. So it's basically going to be a, um, the, what's the thing in Disneyland called? The little exhibit. And then they have the meet and greets in the old carousel building. Um, I'm blanking. I'm blanking too. Everybody knows <laughs> what we're talking about. It's I'm not supposed to blink when you blank. <laughs> <laughs> um Galaxy Zone or S Star Edge or something. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm getting old. I'm going to I'm going to look it up so you keep talking and I'll Okay. Look it up. Anyway, it's basically a glorified version of that. It's going to have movie props, costumes, stuff from the original, stuff from the new. They're actually one fun thing is they're going to have sort of a lineup of stormtroopers that are giving the history of the look of the stormtroopers. So you can sort of see the chronological changes of the stormtroopers through the years. Um, and it's going to have a panel sort of tied in with it that's going to have the um, creators of the new uh, Mandalorian series uh, and it's going to include, um, uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
so they'll that'll i don't know see that's what's making me think is that where they're gonna give like future star wars details about things or are they gonna do that during the parks or well i guess yeah, the parks it's sort know. of the parks is sort of a done deal now because it's opened yeah. already so yeah okay so yeah. i found the name it's star wars launch bay oh launch so... <laughs> bay holy goodness I know, <laughs> but um, this actually, this panel seems kind of interesting to me because they're going to really go into like a good sneak peek of the Mandalorian, which I'm very interested in. Yeah. You think you'll go to that one? I, I want to try. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a trip report when Ruthie comes back and we'll share all this stuff with you. Yeah. So we wanted to sort of go through some of the other things that have been announced for D23, some of the different events. So, um, they're gonna, this is the one I would go to if I was going. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple, I'll tell you which ones I would definitely want to see mm -hmm. as we go through. So, they're gonna have, well, this is more of an exhibit. Right. It's called Imagining Tomorrow and Today Pavilion. And I guess it's gonna be similar to the Star Wars thing we just talked about, where they're gonna have, you know, exhibits and artwork and models and things about Disney's tomorrow. And this is making me wonder, is this tying into how they're redoing Epcot? Or is this gonna sort of tie into them making some sort of an announcement at the parks presentation about Tomorrowland in Disneyland? Oh, I hope not. You hope that they don't make an announcement about tomorrow. I don't want them to because I don't want them to change it. Like, because I'm afraid because they're not going to just change it a little bit. It's going to be like a, a you know, a, a cement ball to it. And I don't want that. I do. <laughs> I think it, it's, it's, they, it needs it. It's, it's, it's the worst part of Disneyland right now. It's long overdue for a redo. Just because it's being redone doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Look at what they redid yeah. in 1967. That's true, but I really like that. Like, I would rather them restore it back to the 1967 version. Well, maybe and that's... And in that case, they don't need to take a wrecking ball to it. Well, I'm not... I don't think that they necessarily are going to take a wrecking ball to it. That's your... Yeah. Not, that's your theory. My theory is they're going to make it better. They're going to bring it back to its former glory and then some. And it needs it because right now it's awful. To me, I mean, I feel that I actually dislike the Tomorrowland at Walt Disney World more. I, I, I never feel comfortable in there and I never really enjoy it. The only thing I like to, to ride on in there are, is the Carousel of Progress and the, um, the Skyway. Not the Skyway, but... Skyway, um, it's not there. No, not the Skyway. You know what I'm talking about. The old... Um, I don't know what you're talking about. I you know, no it, it goes around the whole Tomorrowland on the track. Oh my god, we are so old, <laughs> yeah, Ruthie. Yeah, we are. We're the People some... Mover. Yes, the People Mover, yes. <laughs> I can't believe you couldn't remember the People <laughs> Um. So those are the only two things that I really like about the Tomorrowland and... I don't know. I find I that Tomorrowland and Disney World is there's too much cement. It's all yes, yes. Disneyland's feels more organic and it's a lot more. Even like, within the state that it's in, it still feels better. Like it still has some greenery and some color. Yeah, Walt Disney World is so drab and like it and so boring. Yeah. 
So to me, I actually feel like they should fix that one. But um, especially with the 50th anniversary coming up, but I don't know. Well, they are. They're adding the Tron coaster. Yeah, but you know what? That's going to make the rest of the land look worse. Because that's going to be all futuristic and bright, and then everything else is going to look dull compared to that. But well, neg negative Nelly has spoken. <laughs> I, I think I'm that... Not, I'm not really a, a Tomorrowland fan for Walt Disney World, and I, I love 1967 Disneyland one, but... I really could I care really less what they... they do at Disney World's Tomorrowland. What I yeah. want them to do is fix the one in Disneyland. They just and... have to do it with the audience in mind. Because we all know how the Disneyland audience is, and they just need to keep that in mind with whatever they do at that park. So they also um, are going to show some of the Epcot stuff that's going to be changing mm -hmm. uh, in the, the months and the short years to come. And they're going to um, have a, um, a, a look at the uh, Marvel attractions in Hong Kong, Paris. And California which are currently being built and um, they're gonna have a d23 presentation with Bob Chapek and that's, that's yeah. yeah on the 25th so I'm really thinking that this this is all going to be about the Marvel additions to California Adventure the Epcot changes that are coming, and I think they're going to throw in a big surprise and make a bunch of announcements about Tomorrowland. Whether you like it or not, Ruthie, it's happening. Um, I don't know, but I think this, it is because you're in the minority. Though. You're in the minority because I didn't yeah, even know you. I didn't. don't know. They I need mean, to redo I, I Tomorrowland. Want them to brighten it up and stuff like that. But they I need to move that just... stupid Astro Orbiter away yeah. from the entrance. There's so many. Yeah problems with current Tomorrowland and Disneyland and changing it doesn't mean that it's going to make it not what it is it's going to improve it because it's what you remember from 1967 is not what it is right now it's all it's it's yeah. a mess mm -hmm. so it needs yeah. to be fixed desperately I just hope that at this presentation they're not just regurgitating the stuff we already know about these things and just showing the same artwork we've already all seen well, they're going to talk about bringing back the People Mover to California. They're going to talk about probably putting in the Tron Coaster in California in Tomorrowland. And they're going to talk about um, probably changing Star Tours to something that's not Star Wars themed. Because now they've got that over in Galaxy's Edge. So they're probably going to bring in the, the something Marvel or something to... They're still going to use that flight simulator. Yeah, I don't want them to get rid of um, Star Tours. I love Star Tours. Well, <laughs> you better ride it a bunch of times when you go because it might I be will, your last because time. because I love it, but that's not why <laughs> I want to ride it a whole bunch of times. <laughs> anyway, so here's some more of the events that are happening. They're having a uh, panel about music in Star Wars and Galaxy's Edge specifically. Um, they're going to talk to M Matt Walker, who designed the music for Galaxy's Edge. That's Friday, August 23rd at 12.30 p.m. 
um, also on Friday, they're having Behind the Art of Disney Costuming. And they're going to show a bunch of costumes and talk about how Disney designs a costume, its costumes for parks and films. They're also releasing a book along with this panel. Right. There's a book coming out, a coffee table book that's related mm -hmm. to this. Yeah. So the next one is a Haunted Mansion panel. This is one I would want to go to. Uh, it's a 50-year celebration of the Haunted Mansion. And it's going to have... So you have... know, if they brought out Raleigh Crump, I would be on this. But yeah. I haven't heard anything about it. Well, I feel like Raleigh Crump sort of had a lesser hand in this attraction. I know, he... but nobody else is alive, so... <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I mean, he, his influence is in the attraction, but he was sort of removed yeah. from the project by the time it was full steam ahead. Um... This is one I might be interested in. On on Saturday, they're having Travels with Marty. And it's going to talk to a bunch of people who knew Marty Sklar personally and talk about his legacy with the Disney company. And then yeah. um, they're going to have a panel called Inspiring Women Behind Star Wars Galaxy's Edge where they're going to talk to women that were involved in the creation of it. And that's on Sunday. And then on Sunday, they're going to have... Magical Journey, My Fantastical Walt Disney Imagineering Career with Kevin Rafferty. That's one I would probably want to go to. And he's going to talk about his 40-year-plus career. Oh, I didn't know he was a dishwasher. I was a dishwasher at Disney. <laughs> that was my first job at Disney when I was 16. I was a dishwasher at the Plaza Inn. So, I wonder if he worked at the Plaza Inn. Um, and then Mark Davis panel this is one i would not miss and um, this is one that i really want to do yeah they're gonna play like sound clips of him talking and stuff it's mark davis in his own words mm -hmm. imagineering disney theme parks and this is also coinciding with a book that pete doctor and another person christopher merritt are releasing as well right and then they're gonna have a bunch of terrific uh, meet and greets with different artists and there's a couple of them Ruthie is really excited about. She's going to yes. try to try to see if she can meet them. One of them is Jared. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name, Ruthie? I think it's Mariama. Jared Mariama is an He's artist. He's my favorite Disney artist. Yeah, he does like these sort of um, kawaii versions of the Disney. Well, uh, not just Disney, but any type of pop culture mm -hmm. characters where he kind of draws them to look cute, like cuter than yeah. they normally are. He has a definite, like, style where he kind of... Yeah. And if, one, if you follow him on Facebook, like, whenever there's some sort of a famous person or, or it's like a day in history or something, he'll do a drawing related to that day. Like, for example... If it's Donald Duck's birthday, he'll do, like, a picture of Donald Duck and put yeah. it on online. So, it's fun to follow him. So, and then the other one Ruthie wants to meet is, um, uh, what's his name, Ruthie? We were just talking Shag. about this. Shag, that's right. Shag. He does a lot Another of these. Another one of my favorite artists. Yeah, he does a lot of these mid-century style, you know, like, 1950s, early 60s type things where a lot of them are you know he did a whole series of haunted mansion paintings and he's done a lot of other disney related tiki, a, room. tiki room he's even done mm -hmm. some 
Fantasyland stuff, and but it's all got this very distinctive '50s sort of yeah. tiki culture type yeah, vibe to very it. Very colorful, bright colors, very mm -hmm. graphic. Yeah. So, in addition, a lot of other artists will be there to meet. So that is our little update on the upcoming, the impending. D23. We have excellent news. The matchmaker has found you an auspicious match. It is decided. Come and sit down. It is what is best for our family. Yes, I will bring honor to us all. Quiet. Composed. Graceful. Disciplined. Qualities we see in a good wife. These are the qualities we see in Mulan. It is my duty to fight. <laughs> that was a nice little gong there. I know. Nice transition. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be so smooth. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Mulan is returning in her non-animated form. Um, one thing that strikes me sort of odd is they keep referencing songs from the movie, the animated movie. Like, mm -hmm. in the preview we just showed, the trailer, at the end they said, You'll Bring Honor to Us All, which is obviously a song. And then, right. in Disney's advertising, they say, um, Get Down to Business Next yeah. Spring, which is another <laughs> song. You know, it's a lyric from the that uh, Donny Osmond song. Mm -hmm. Be a man. Be a, yeah. Let's get down to business. So... But this is not going to be a musical. Right. So why do they keep like teasing us with all these musical references from right. the movie? Just If it's not going to be a musical, don't be a musical, but don't keep reminding us that the original was a musical. Right. That's a little Agreed. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, from, from the, um, the, pre the trailer, the teaser trailer, it's, to me, a teaser trailer... That's a little bit too much to be considered a teaser teaser trailer. I don't know. They did put a lot into that teaser. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Of course, we already all know the story. I mean, right. it's about a uh, a ch Chinese woman in a you know in ancient China whose father is in poor health. Well, he's not in poor health, but he's old, and he is drafted to fight the Huns. 
and she decides that his father is not her father is not in good enough health so she disguises herself as a man and enlists in his place and uh, then ends up falling in love with her general and a whole you know mixed identity type thing happens so that's basically the story and then um this is actually an ancient chinese fable it's based on a fable from ancient and it was actually uh produced on stage for for i guess centuries Hmm. and there's a whole famous scene about because i guess back then that women used to bind their feet and there's a whole famous scene from this about how she unbinds her feet she mm. takes off her shoes so that she can join the army. And uh, it's sort of graphic, uh, from what I've heard. Not graphic, it's just like, if it's portrayed correctly, it's portrayed as if she's enduring a lot of pain in doing this. So mm. that was not presented in the, in the animated film. And I'm wondering if it will be presented in the right. live-action version. That would be interesting. So yeah. this is interesting too because to me this looks like something that is not a Disney film let me explain Um, this reminds me more of The Last Emperor have you ever seen that movie from I guess the late 80s it won the Academy Award I think for best movie yeah, I haven't um, seen the movie, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so this sort of... It seems more like a historical film that I think a more mature audience would appreciate. Yeah. You know, like my dad, who's in his 80s, would probably enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's not what you think of when you think... It's not superheroes. It's not a musical about Disney princesses. From what I see on on the preview, it looks like a lot. They're they're doing this in a very serious way, yeah. Which is sort of a, a, a nice approach. It's a different way to go about. There's another gong. <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> way to sort of go about telling the story. And they also say it's going to be very different from the animated version. It's not going to be like a shot for shot remake like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Mm-hmm. They're going in sort of a different direction. Now, this is just what I've read about yeah. it. Um, you know, is- from based on this teaser trailer, this looks like if you're going to remake an animated film, this is what you should do. You make it a story that we haven't seen before. Okay, we all right. know the bones of it, but yeah. now this is going to be, I feel like they're probably going to just really emphasize Mulan and the the sacrifice that she is making by taking her father's place and really how awesome and amazing she is. And the, the fact that she's able to keep up with all of these men, which, you know, the Chinese culture, as you see in the beginning of the teaser trailer, do not expect women to be able to do. Yeah. So I really feel like this is, this is gonna be probably, at least based off of this teaser trailer, it looks like it's gonna be the best live action remake of all the Disney films so far, to me. Right, I've also heard that they're gonna they're 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 talking about doing a Pocahontas remake, and they're gonna do it historically accurate, unlike yeah, the cartoon. That's what they need to do. Yes, yeah. if you're gonna redo it, you need to redo it right. Yeah. 
the other thing is this is definitely being geared towards a Chinese audience because China has a huge I mean they it's a huge part of movies now oh yeah they have a huge audience there so films. this is definitely yeah. a film with China being thought about and how it's being made but you know so what I think this is that, really good for you know American audiences too because it's oh, there's nice nothing to... wrong there's nothing wrong with that I'm right. just making a point yeah. of that that's part of what this is going to be about it's not yeah. necessarily being made for an american audience it's being made for you know an international audience yeah it's not the I'm americanized not, yeah. version of something like right, most things right. are right we don't need to see the americanized version we want to see the real thing and this yeah. definitely looks like the real thing to me i'm very excited about this yeah i'm more excited about this than the next film Right, yes. And so Mulan comes out March 27th, 2020. Right. And we have the continuing saga of the Mistress of All Evil. <laughs> Five years ago, I thought I lost you forever. There is no curse that could ever tear me away from you. Will you marry me? Yes! Mistress! I have a little bit of news. Don't ruin my morning. Philip asked me to marry him. No. I wasn't really asking. Nor was I. Love doesn't always end well, Beastie. Trust me, let us prove you wrong. You have done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child. But now, she will finally get the love of a real mother. Tonight, I consider Aurora my own. There is no union! There will be no wedding! What have you done? We go home now. Aurora! is a threat to everyone. We'll do our best to protect you. Well, well. One can never be too careful. Godmother! This isn't you. You do not know me. was another creature. You've spent years caring for a human. Now it's time to care for your own. Like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. Maleficent, <laughs> the soap opera. <laughs> I have issues here. Let me explain my thoughts. Okay, the first film was bad enough where she's... They completely ruined her character by making her sympathetic. You know, that... Uh, this is even worse because now they're saying she raised Aurora in the forest and not the fairies. And, like, she's like Aurora's mother figure. 
What is this garbage? Come on. Also, calling this a fairy tale is like a major stretch. This is like Lord of the Rings. This is a saga. This is not... Fairy tales are very clear-cut, black and white, and basic. You know, once upon a time, there was a prince and a princess and an evil fairy, and they did battle, and then the fairy died, and they all lived happily ever after. That's a fairy tale. This is like, um, this is like, um, Game of Thrones. This is not, <laughs> this is, this is an epic, like, soap opera type thing. And they're even making a, a Maleficent's character even more weak, I think, by pushing the fact that she raised Aurora and Aurora looks to her as a mother figure. I mean, in the first movie, if I remember correctly, she was sort of on the sidelines making sure that the sort of dim-witted fairies didn't screw up, but she didn't raise her. Right, but I think what they're saying is, like, at the end, when she realized that she loved her, then she basically probably took over for the fairies and became like a mother figure until Aurora turned 16 and she could go back to the um, castle with her yeah. you know, genetic parents. Not genetic. Oh, I, yeah, well, genetics, right. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. generic, <laughs> but they're, they're generic genetic parents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I'm not happy about this. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this franchise. I guess it's a franchise now. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. Angelina Jolie is beautiful. She looks amazing in her Maleficent costumes. She looks the part for sure. Probably I couldn't think of anybody else who looks more like her than her. Right. Perfectly cast. She's also a very good actress and she does the part well. But it's not her responsibility to write the the problem is with the writing and directing not with her at all she's yeah. she's amazing as maleficent it's just yeah. they keep i know we just said how if they're going to do a live action version they need to change it well you can change it but don't like completely make up something that ruins the original the power of the original I mean, why don't you just do a movie that's not... You don't have to stick in the name Maleficent and Aurora and don't tie it into Sleeping Beauty. Just have her play an evil fairy or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be called Maleficent because this has really nothing to do with the original story. It veers right. off in a completely different direction. And I, to my mind, by making Maleficent sympathetic, it ruins her character. In the in the animated film, she was just an evil witch. She was sort of the mistress of all evil, and it was a black and white situation. You didn't sympathize with her. You relished in her evilness, but you didn't feel for her emotionally, like... You were glad when she died at the end, <laughs> you right. know. But, um, so, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but that's how I feel for sure. I, I'm not, I'm not you know, excited so about this, this. This is like a full trailer, and before we talked about the teaser trailer. So, yeah. I like this full trailer more than the teaser trailer, but again, you know, the first Maleficent movie, the, the really the one thing that bothers me the most about that movie is 
the animated film, I absolutely love the fairies, and they made them into the worst characters of any film ever in the live-action remake. Yeah. I hate them in the live-action remake. Yeah, I agree and with that. So that really bothers me, first of all. And, you know, I like some of the themes that they show in that film. Like, you can have a true love of somebody, and it could be a different love than a romantic love. I like that, but I don't know if it's necessarily that they had to have the Maleficent movie to, to you know, show that type of love. Yeah. Um, so... I don't they know. do that already in Frozen, so why do they right, have to exactly. do it here? Well, no. I mean, that this was before Frozen, but, you know. Well, they were both in production at the same time, so. Because yeah. it takes longer to do an animated film than a live action. So they were both right. being done at the, so they had two movies with basically the same theme being produced at the same time, mm. which is kind of stupid. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I... I'm not that excited for this. I I don't want to say I'm not going to go see it because I might go see it, but um, I don't know. This is it's just not. I still you know kind of similar to my feelings about Toy Story Four. Did we need this movie? I don't yeah. know. You know. Not. Really. I'm not really feeling it based off of this trailer. So we'll see. So they've announced that. They are in in preliminary, well, I wouldn't say talks, but they've sort of made it known that they're looking at Alexander Skarsgård for the title character of the movie Hercules, another remake. You notice that all three movies we've talked about today are remakes or right. or sequels to existing Disney animated films. So it's like they're going through the whole list. I mean, they're going to have a remake of Make Mine Music next. I know. <laughs> no, that just, no. <laughs> Who's going to play Pecos Bill in the remake right. of Melody Time? <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so the previous rumors were that Alexander Ludwig was going to be... Um, uh, the top pick for the role of Hercules and Amber Heard from Aquaman was going to be playing Meg and Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be Hades but now they're thinking that, that that might not be the case because Disney has sort of let it leak that they're looking at Alexander Skarsgård for the title role I don't know what was he in so he's been in um, a couple of things for HBO that I watched, which was um, True Blood and then Big Little Lies. And that's pretty. And much he's it. been in. He was in the remake of. I want to say it was a Tarzan film. I think that's what this picture is from. Uh, a remake of Tarzan. Yeah, that scar on his shoulder is kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. If you had your druthers, how would you cast the live-action uh, Hercules? I I mean, I think he actually could be a good pick for mm -hmm. Hercules. You know, I yeah. think it... Um, I just don't... I don't know. Do they need to remake Hercules? No. <laughs> I mean, it was a TV... How many versions of Hercules are there already? There was a whole right. TV series. There was a whole... 
movies about him be predated Disney doing the cartoon. Exactly. Yeah, we've seen tons of these Greek stories, these, you know, yeah. Greek god stories and things like that. I'm just not I'm kind of getting fatigued with these remakes. You think they'll do it as a spoof like the the Disney cartoon where it's sort of a tongue in cheek version, it's a comedy version? No, I think they would end up making this a serious film, especially yeah. if they get Alexander Skarsgård. He's Which, not known for his comedy. Yeah, it's what I, just looking at him, he doesn't look like a very funny-looking guy. No. He looks kind of serious. Yeah, not to say that he couldn't be funny, but that's not what he's known for. Yeah, they would pick someone like what's his name that was uh that Marvel character in the red mask. Ryan, what's his name? Gosling. Oh, you're talking about um, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Another yeah. Mickey Mouse Club alumni. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, he would be good as Hercules. Because if they were doing it in a funny version. Yeah. Because he's have got... to buff him up a little bit. Because he's not as big as Hercules looks. But, yeah. I'm sure that he has the ability to work out and get big or they can just cgi him yeah like they did with will smith and the genie <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny yeah all right so you ready for a vacation ruthie yes let's go three two one today we're celebrating the opening of grand destino tower which is the kickoff to the reimagination of disney's coronado springs resort in spanish Coronado means the crown one. And today, it's exciting to celebrate the crowning glory of this beautiful resort. Coronado Tower is much more than just a tower. We've reimagined the entire resort. Every single room is either brand new or completely reimagined. We have a new club concept here, about 60 to 80 suites. We have our new lobby design, two floors. And then of course you have the most magnificent view out to Villa del Lago from the lobby. The design merges the influences of Mexico, Spain, and the American Southwest. In the tower, we have some very exciting new dining facilities. Barcelona is our lobby bar. It's in the center of the Grand Destino Tower. Beautiful new rooftop restaurant. Outstanding steak, tapas, and seafood. Dahlia is our beautiful rooftop lounge. You can enjoy a great drink with the most magnificent views and some tapas. It's a place where you want to hang out and just have a great time. I predict this will be a new hotspot here at Walt Disney World. So, <laughs> this music. So, the um, Grand, or no, the Colorado. Yeah, the Grand Destino. Coronado, I almost said Colorado. Coronado Springs. <laughs> Grand Destino Tower has opened, and they've been talking about this forever, for a few years. It seemed like it took them forever to finally finish this. Here's a picture of the grand opening, or the gran opening, if you want to, in Spanish. Uh, here is a picture of the tower, very beautiful. It, uh, you know, a lot of it looks pretty ordinary, but it's got some kind of interesting flourishes that definitely look Latin American. And on the inside, well, here's a view from the lakeside, which is very beautiful. 
And this is all considered part of the existing hotel. They've just added this tower to it. So all of the existing rooms and everything are still there, but they completely remodeled all of the, the rooms that were already there. And um, they added a lot of Vacation Kingdom, you know, the, the timeshare yeah. suites to DVC. this. DVC, yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's a uh, really beautiful lobby area. Two-story lobby. Yeah, it reminds me of the Disney cruise ships. Yeah, it does kind of look like that. Yeah. It's got definite uh, Latin American influences with sort of a modern edge to it. And uh, so they've got two dining options and they're both on the top floor of the tower one of them is a um, sort of a one step down from uh, you know the Grand Floridian it's probably a I'd call it a four-star restaurant probably not a five-star but it's um, called Toledo Toledo Ohio <laughs> um, and it's called Toledo Tapa Steak and Seafood. And it's um, basically Spanish and Mexican dishes with a modern edge to it. Sort of a creative, more modern look at these traditional dishes. Um, that uh, display of food right there is making my mouth water right now. Uh, definitely. <laughs> And then where I would love to visit and just chill out is this lounge area, also on the 16th floor. It's called the um, Dahlia, lounge. Dahlia Lounge, yeah. And it has a balcony that overlooks, like you can see the Tower of Terror and parts mm -hmm. of Epcot from this very beautiful view. And it's a, just a really cozy little bar area. It looks very nice. Very classy. Of course, the rooms here are probably just completely ridiculously priced. So Ruthie and I will probably never stay here unless we win the lottery. But <laughs> Actually, I think they're considering this to be a moderate. Well, from what moder I've heard. moderate for who? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Not, uh, you know, it's not a deluxe. Yeah. But, um, you know, for it to be a, a moderate at the moderate price, you know, right. it's middle of the road there, middle of the Disney road. And, um, you know, so it's, it's really nice that they are offering this, you know, basically new hotel for a yeah. moderate price. So over in California, more hotel updated news. They opened a brand new bar at the uh, Grand Californian Hotel and Spa called Craftsman Bar. Now, for those unfamiliar, Craftsman is actually a art movement and architecture and design movement from the early 1900s. It actually originated in England and it sort of came over to the United States and it's sort of a break away from the Victorian era where they wanted more simple design and more um, 
when I say craftsman, more handcrafted, less mechanical looking things. Everything looks woodsy and natural and lots of dark woods and it's a it's it's sort of Victorian led to craftsmen and craftsmen led into Art Nouveau and Art Nouveau led into Art Deco. So that's sort of the chronolo chronology of design right there. For those who didn't go to school to learn all this garbage. As <laughs> I took classes and all this stuff. So anyway, I love the craftsman style. And it's something that was really predominant in California in the yeah. early 1900s. So this bar is definitely a craftsman style to it. It's gorgeous, and it has such an amazing view of the pool, and it's just really, really nice. I'd love to hang out here for, like, if uh, we, Ruthie, and, and this is open to everybody, by the way, so if Ruthie and I ever made it out to Disneyland together, this yeah. would be a great place to do a meet and greet type situation. Oh, yeah, that would be it awesome. it probably wouldn't be as crowded as the Tiki, the, you know, the Trader Sam's. Mm -hmm. And it just looks amazing. Of course, yeah. I don't know how they handle rain because it looks like most of the seating is uncovered. Like it's got the slats, but it's pretty much uncovered. So it probably wouldn't be a great place to eat when it rains. But well, it never rains in California. Oh, Chris, please. So. <laughs> that is like <laughs> the biggest lie ever. So um, here's another look from the pool to the bar. Very so nice. this view is really cool because so this bar is kind of inspired by the Gamble House, which is a historic building in Pasadena where I'm from. And yeah. you guys will recognize this is this is um, Doc Brown. modeled after the garage of the Gamble House. And that garage has been used in many films, including Back to the Future, which yeah. it, um, is Doc Brown's garage. Right. So they. Really and the house is, is 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 the his house in the movie too. Right, right. The, the outside of the house, not yeah. actually when they're filming inside. It's not the inside. Right. But the garage, it is the garage for this house, and you can see right there, kind of yeah. off to the right hand side, that's supposed to that awning be modeled after after it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's beautiful play. They open it up a few times a year, and you can go inside and tour it. It's a historical yep. landmark. Yeah. A lot of really beautiful details. There's a gate. They have, I guess, a few of these gates throughout the resort. And they added another one designed by the same artist who did the other gates that are located here and there throughout the Grand Californian. And if you look at it from a distance, it looks beautiful. But if you get up close, there's all these beautiful little details. It's got birds and butterflies and bumblebees and all sorts of beautiful native Californian uh, flora and fauna sort of hidden mm -hmm. in the design of it. Also some really delicious looking foods. Yes. I'll have that uh, shrimp dish right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> that looks good. I'll have those uh, little mini uh, sliders there. Those look really good. Yeah, a lot of cheese. and those uh, <laughs> what look sort of like little breadsticks. Those mm -hmm. are actually chocolate chip cookie sticks and mm. you can dip them in those different sauces oh how cool doesn't that look good yes <laughs> so yeah some definite uh california cuisine type stuff you know mm -hmm. yeah now there's another um 
eating area slash lounge slash bar that was uh, redesigned and renamed. Um, and what was it originally called? Whitewater it Snacks? It was called Whitewater Snacks, yeah. Yeah, and they renamed it uh, GCH Craftsman Grill. Um, so this is sort of a grab-and-go place. Um, but they redesigned it, and it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful inside. Yeah. We have one more hotel-related story to talk about, and we're going to go back to Florida for this one. And we're going to talk about the Grand Calif- uh, Grand, Grand, ah, the Grand Floridian Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so they sort of, um, there's not much that's been let out about this, but Disney filed permits, so it's probably pretty much going to happen because the way we find out a lot of these things is there's different websites and things that sort of follow Disney very closely and when they file a permit it's sort of how the news leaks because mm-hmm. they can't begin construction on something until they file a permit so they sort of have to make it public that way and what they've sort of let out of the bag is they're finally gonna build a walkway from the Grand uh, Floridian to the Magic Kingdom which seems like a no-brainer. In fact, a good part of the walkway is already there. There's a walkway that leads from the Magic Kingdom, where the um, monorail station is, to right where there's a, um, a canal, a passageway for the boat craft, either for the boat craft to get to the rivers of America and Frontierland, or it's also where they store the um, electrical water pageant boats during the day. And so they never finished this um, walkway because it's, it's sort of blocked by a water passage. So my guess is they're going to build a bridge. It's either going to be a, a drawbridge that raises to let the different watercraft through. Or it'll be like just a really tall bridge that the water pageant boats will be able to pass under. Um, so this is a good thing because it's really the Grand Floridian is walking distance. It's not any further from the Magic Kingdom than the um, contemporary is. But there's no way to get there because of that waterway that sort of divides them from each other so this is good news because now you don't have to walk if if you're staying in one of the magic kingdom hotels you don't have to take the monorail at night to get to them you have the you have or a boat you have the option to walk and i think that'll sort of alleviate a lot of the issues when the park closes with the monorail lines getting crazy um Especially people staying at, I mean, because if you think about it, you couldn't walk to the Polynesian either because that would be the same direction you would go to get to the Polynesian. You technically could go from the, um, there's a walkway to go from the side where the, the, uh, contemporary is, but that would be a really long walk. You'd have to walk all around to the ticketed transportation center and then all back around to the Polynesian. This is a shorter distance to the Polynesian. Still a little bit of a hike, but not nearly as 
crazy as it would be to walk all the way, especially at the end of a long day. Yeah. You don't want to be walking that whole crazy distance. What I used to do is I would get, at the end of the day, I would take the contemporary, I would go to the, instead of waiting in line at the um, Magic Kingdom, which was like crazy, I would mm-hmm. just walk over to the contemporary and take the contemporary all the way around to the t- ticket and transportation center. So I'd get on the monorail there instead of getting on it, you know, at the main place. Oh, but yeah. Even that was crowded, mm-hmm. but not yeah. as crowded as... Not the, as crowded. Right, yeah. yeah. So, little insider travel tip. So that's our little update of the... Um, hotels and everything so let's do a few rapid fire stories ruthie all righty so our first rapid fire story is well who knew it's star wars related <laughs> i mean we never talk about star wars i know on we never podcast. so they've announced the opening dates of rise of the resistance which is the second attraction, I guess the big, bigger of the attractions that are going to be part of the um, uh, uh, new land at Disneyland and at Walt Disney World. And interestingly, the one at Walt Disney World is going to open before the one in Disneyland. So what are the, what did they announce, Ruthie, about this? So Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is going to open at Walt Disney World on December 5th. 2019 and then it will open at Disneyland January 17th 2020 yeah so like a like a almost a month and a half later yeah Ruthie's a little annoyed because she was Uh, hoping to see this when she went in August yeah but it's not gonna be there so I mean we've talked about this let's move on to the next story (laughs) (laughs) So Disney's OG character, predated Mickey, is going to have a series, an animated series on Disney Plus in 2020. Uh, We don't know a lot of the details, but one thing that sort of gives you a hint of the direction they're going in the series is um, one of the writers of uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, Christopher Painter, is going to be involved in this project. So you can expect some sort of a similar type humor, I would say, to SpongeBob, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think would be appropriate for Oswald, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is a character developed by Oob Iwerks in 1927, predating Mickey by about 18 months. Disney did a whole series of shorts, and on a train ride to... Um, New York, he found out that not only was the character being taken away from him, but almost his entire animation staff had signed on with Universal Animation. So the rug was pulled out from under him. And this was sort of the, um, the whole thing that put the Mickey Ma- creation of Mickey Mouse into motion as a replacement for Oswald. And the rest, as they say, is history. So you can, look, you can look forward to that um, coming in uh, uh, to a uh, streaming service near you. Yeah, I think this is good because, you know, they, they have Oswald at um, DCA in California. 
as a character. But this is going to really put him in the forefront, especially for like a younger generation who probably right. doesn't know who he is. So I really right. like this idea. There's actually six original Disney animated uh, Oswald shorts that are lost. Mm-hmm. And they haven't, they don't, they probably never will be found. But yeah, probably that's not. interesting. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of DCA, sort of sad news. The um, uh, Red Car Trolley Newsy, Newsboys show is being discontinued. It's going to end uh, in just a few days, actually. Yeah. I think after I this weekend. I forget the exact day, but I yeah. think they said July 23rd or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think probably Sunday will be the last opportunity to see this. It's sort of been a staple of Buena Vista Street since uh, they added that section to the park. Mm-hmm. So Disney's excuse for canceling this is that the red car trolley is currently not being operated because of the Marvel construction. I don't know if they're bringing back the red car trolley when Marvel opens. I have my doubts about that, which is unfortunate because it added so much to Buena Vista right. Street. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the... Uh, red car trolley boys the news boys they rode on the trolley a few times a day and and they and mickey mouse came out and did a little live musical show and um because they're not operating the trolleys they tried to do it without the trolley and they said that it wasn't very popular when the trolley cars weren't involved so that's Disney's story. My story is they're cutting back because of the um, underwhelming attendance after Galaxy's Edge opens, and yeah. they're, they're they're rolling back on things to compensate for the loss of anticipated money that they didn't mm-hmm. get with the opening of um, of Galaxy's Edge. So, right. who suffers in the long run is the audience. Because this was a yeah. very popular show. Now, I will say, I wasn't a huge fan because of the direction they went with the music. My feeling was they should have stuck with a more traditional sound like what you're listening to right now. They decided to sort of reinterpret the music and make it more hip and modern by mm-hmm. adding like sort of a modern underbeat to everything. And it just sounded silly to me. They should have just had it be traditional Roaring Twenties music. What's wrong with that? Why did they have to, like, make it, pump it up and make it modern sounding with, like, this strange (laughs) mishmash of 20s and 2010 music? So I wasn't a huge fan, but a lot of people really enjoyed this. I I like the idea of the show. Mm -hmm. I just don't think I would have, if I were in charge of the show, I would have done the music a little bit differently anyway i mean how do you feel about that um i've actually never seen this show because when i have been in dca i'm always like you know walking by it trying to get well i haven't seen it either i've just seen it on online you know right on the youtube Um, i do think that it was cute when they interacted with mickey and stuff like that and it was always fun to see the trolley coming by and mickey like waving outside of it so i can see you know I can kind of understand that without the trolley, it's not the same feel, but right. I do agree with you that it is because of the low attendance and the the 
the slow summer crowds this year. You know, they're they're looking to cut right. back because that's what Disney does. Right. So. so our final rapid fire story involves Splash Mountain. And when Disneyland celebrated its 64th birthday on July 17th, Splash Mountain celebrated its 30th birthday because it actually opened on Disneyland's birthday in 1989. So, happy anniversary to a favorite Disneyland attraction. And in celebration of that, they just let out a whole new line of wishable uh, little plush animals that are um, themed to Splash Mountain. And looking at this uh, picture, it looks like they've got Br'er Fox, uh, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, and that looks like the Mother Bunny. Who is that bunny character? Is that <laughs> even a bunny? Know. It looks like an Ewok, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, Br'er Frog. Uh, Frog, yeah. But I don't yeah. know who that woman is, <laughs> that girl... It's, I don't know either. It's an Ewok who moved to, who came to planet Earth and decided to move in with the <laughs> character. Splash Mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at first, before I looked at it closely, I was going to say it was the rab, the mother rabbit, right before you go up that hill at the end. Yeah. You know, she's singing to her little babies, but I don't know. That doesn't look like a rabbit to me. I don't know either. Maybe it's Br'er Bear's <laughs> bear girlfriend or something. Maybe. <laughs> anyway that they're cute they are adorable and the wishables if you don't know they're uh little you buy them in a little bag and you sort of are surprised by which one you can buy some of them individually not in a bag but the whole fun of it is you buy them in a in a bag and you can't see what one you're gonna get until you open the bag yeah. So that's why they call them wishables. You wish which one you want, I guess. Yeah, they do have Br'er Rabbit where you can see it. So you know you're yeah. going to get Br'er Rabbit, but then the other four are in a blind bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that ends this episode of Dateline Jiminy Crickets. Ruthie, where can everybody find Jiminy Crickets on the web? You can listen to all of our past shows, including audio versions of Dateline Jiminy Crickets, on our website, jcricketpodcast.blogspot.com. You can also listen to us on iTunes under the name Jiminy Crickets, that's with an exclamation point, and be sure to leave us a five-star review. Over on our YouTube channel, we share updates to the Disney Chris website, including the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour, as well as past episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast and Dateline Jiminy Crickets. You can find our channel if you search for DisneyChris.com. And remember, .com is spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. And don't forget to subscribe and click on the notification bell. You can also join in the conversation over on our Facebook page, Jimmy Crickets Podcast, where you can not only interact with Chris and me and all the fellow cricketeers, but you can also stay up to date on all the latest details of our many worldwide web endeavors. In addition to all the normal places you have always found our podcast, you can now also find us at The Roarbots, a unique website celebrating all aspects of geek culture, including Disney fandom. We are proud to be part of this motley crew of pop culture superfans, and we share an episode of our podcast there each and every Thursday. 
so be sure to check out this amazing website at www.therorbots.com. If you would like to contact the show with your questions or comments, our email address is disneychrisdotcom at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram now. Our official Instagram account is at DisneyChris underscore JC underscore podcast. And we have over 300 colorful vintage Disney related images on our page. And we're always adding more. So there's plenty of fun Disney things to see. And it's also a good place to get updates to our podcast and my website. So be sure to follow us on Instagram today. And you can find me on Twitter at DisneyChris73. And you can find Ruthie on Facebook under the name Ruthie Brown. And you can find me on Facebook as well under the name Chris Linden. That's L-Y-N-D-O-N as in Lyndon Johnson. My website, my website, (laughs) (laughs) or my website is (laughs) DisneyChris.com. Home to the Disney Song of the Day and the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour. Well, you'll find over 1,750 audio tracks from the happiest place on Earth. And I'd also like to give special thanks to those who help spread our magic with their generous support. And you can help support Dateline Jiminy Crickets, the Jiminy Crickets podcast, and Disney Chris's website by becoming a Patreon subscriber. By joining our roster of supporters, you will receive exclusive rewards every month, including audio content, Disney video commentaries, and a exclusive Patreon subscribers-only podcast we like to call Down the Rabbit Hole. Additionally, your name will be featured on screen during the closing credits of this very webcast. So be sure to check out our new donation levels and special rewards at www.patreon.com slash DisneyChris. And remember, you can also uh, make donations through PayPal. You can either make a one-time donation or, like Patreon, you can also do a recurring donation. And if you do a recurring donation, you will qualify for the same rewards that you get on Patreon. So you can find all of our donation options and everything at DisneyChris.com slash donate.html. So Ruthie, do you have any final words for today? To quote Walt Disney, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, dreams are forever. And always let your conscience be your guide. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. M I C. See you real soon. K E Y. Why? Because we like you.